This week we are continuing our series, it's, it's time. Like the question is, are we living in the, the end time? Like, is this the end? And uh, I don't know if you've asked that question or maybe you've had some people ask you that. Uh, but we're diving into that, that topic throughout this series. And last week we kicked it off as we looked at Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew 24 verses 12 through 13 it says this. This is Jesus teaching on, on these end times, this end time topic. And he's, here's some things he says that will, will be a part of the end times. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, so there'll be a, a swing towards, towards wickedness. Things aren't going to go real great at this time period. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will, will grow cold. Uh, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And last week we talked about this reality from this, this teaching from Jesus that there is real danger of, of us as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's, there's a danger that of this, this falling away, that our hearts can grow cold. And so I did my best to bring an encouraging message so that your heart wouldn't grow cold, so that we can anchor our hope in something beyond this life and, and stay the course in the midst of this, this challenging, challenging time. And then it goes on to say this, Jesus' words in Matthew 24, 14, says, and, and here's some good news, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. Like, like it's, it's gonna come, but the, this gospel is gonna go out to this, the whole world, to every tribe, language, and tongue, all nations. And so we just, just glean from that teaching of Jesus that there's gonna be an exponential opportunity opportunity for new people to find and follow Jesus in, in the end times. And so one of the reasons that I believe personally that we're, we're knocking on the door of the end times is because more people are following Jesus, finding Jesus today than, than any generation past. I mean, God is pouring out his spirit and, and people are, are being rescued by his radical grace more today than in any other generation prior. Check this out. More people have come to Christ in the past 40 years. For some of you, that's within your lifetime. In the past 40 years, more people have come to Christ than in the previous 1,980 years. I'm saying God's doing a big thing right now. Be encouraged, church. And check this out. Of the 195 nations of the world, this gospel that Jesus is talking about is growing three times faster than the population of those nations, except for 20 of those. And, and here's the challenge. We're, we're one of the 20. The United States is one of the 20 that is not experiencing that reality. But here's what I'm fired up about because you're here. While brokenness is on the rise, trends aren't always looking the best, but you're on the rise. Central Christian Church is on the rise, and God has chosen you for this moment right here, right now, to help more people find and follow Jesus. And my question to you is why not you? Why, why not Central? Why not the Bay Area? Why not San Jose? Why couldn't this be a, a springboard? I mean, the, the landscape of the world as we know it is being transformed. It has been transformed because of, of the technology coming out of Silicon Valley. So what about this gospel going out from Silicon Valley? Why not you? Why not us? Why not here? And if you bring your best, I bring my best, God brings his best. I'm just asking you, Central, what is possible? possible. God can do anything. There's going to be an exponential opportunity for more people to find and follow Jesus than ever 
before. And here, here's what I think is one of the challenges when we come, up, come to this, this topic or this conversation of this, this gospel spreading or evangelism, as some people have labeled it, is that we get this idea of evangelism as like this, this preacher on stage with an all-white suit and white shoes just yelling at people, telling them they're going to hell, or maybe Maybe a guy on the street corner or in front of a stadium with a bullhorn, like just, just shouting like he's mad at the world about, about things that, that are to come. And, and I'm not trying to disparage anyone that's doing their best to help people find and follow Jesus, but I'm just saying maybe that's not the most effective, effective way to, to do it. Uh, and, and, you know, normally we say, hey, why don't you invite your friends, like, come to church, and, and then a guy like me will share, share the gospel, and we can help people find and follow Jesus that way, but there's... There's some real challenges to that right now as well because we can't gather right now in this room. And here's what I do know, though. The message, the, the purpose of the church hasn't changed amidst a global pandemic. And if we can't invite people here to find and follow Jesus, then we have to find a way to help people find and follow Jesus out there. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, God is doing a big thing in this world. He's pouring out his spirit. More and more people are finding and following Jesus than ever before. And how do we get on on mission with him. Here's what I do want you to know, just as we begin, and maybe you're fairly new. I know we've had, had several people just start tuning in to, to Central Online and, and jump into the Central family. And if you're new here, I just want you to know right up front, the whole reason, the whole mission of Central, the whole reason we exist is to help people find and follow Jesus. That is our purpose. That's why we exist as a church. And the way that we fulfill that purpose is we live with a one friend focus. You, you, if you've been with us very long, you've heard us say that. If we, when we gather in this room for in-person gatherings, we say that every week. Online, you've heard us say that, that at least once every single service, we say those words. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And the way we fulfill that mission is by living with a, a one friend focus. I mean, we just try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Uh, you know, we want to reach the world, but we can't reach the world if we're not reaching one person in our life. So one person we're praying for, one person we're talking with, one person we're building relationship with an effort to help them find and begin following Jesus. Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, this gospel, this, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, it will be preached in the whole world as a testimony of the nations, and then the end will come. And so, so it begs the question, like, what is this gospel? Like, what is this gospel he is referring to. And, and the gospel in your, your New Testament can be trans, translated gospel or, or good news. And I've done a word study for you this week, and that word, word gospel is this, this Greek word. The, the New Testament is written in the Greek language, and the word for, for gospel is, is, is euangelion. E-U engalion. And so E-U, we get this word eulogy. If you've, if you've ever been to a funeral, uh, you've probably heard a eulogy. It's the part of, of the memorial service where we eulogize whoever has passed away. We say a lot of good things about that individual. We talk about their family. We talk about their career. We talk about their successes. We highlight the, the, the good things that they've done. We eulogize them. And uh, the second part of this word is engalion. This is where we get our word angel from. And, and angels are really messengers for God. They, they deliver messages to people. And so, so really this gospel, you could break it down in two parts. It's a, it's a good message from a good messenger. A lot of scholars struggle with this, this Greek word. and they, they, They're so closely connected. They're like, is it really highlighting the messenger or is it really highlighting the message? And I would just say it's both. 
Yeah, the gospel is a good message delivered by a, a good, good messenger. And so, so we're going to talk about those two things. First, we're going to talk about, about how, how can I be a good messenger? How, how can you be a good messenger in this, this day and time that we live in? And then the, then the last section, we're going to talk about what, what, is that good, what is that good message? And so the first is, is how, how can we be a good messenger? Isaiah, he's a prophet in the Old Testament. There's a book called Isaiah. And Isaiah, he was a prophet. And another word for a prophet is a seer. And so prophets, they see things that other people don't see. They, God speaks to them. He shows them things. And they, they speak on behalf of, of God and, and share God's perspective. And here's what this seer, this prophet named Isaiah, says about people who, who carry this, this message. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, our God reigns. Like, listen to me, church. God reigns. Like, he's not, his palms aren't sweaty right now in 2020. He's not wringing his hands saying, how do we figure out this global pandemic? No, he reigns over it. He's a big God. He's, not, he's still in control. He's not shook. He, he's got your back, as a matter of fact. And you just need to know, like, our God reigns. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's still in control. Our God reigns. So, so how can we give that message unless we accept the responsibility that I'm a messenger? It's in Luke 10, too, that, that Jesus says these words. He tells his disciples, like there's this moment where he sees this crowd of people. And I, I don't know, whenever you see a crowd of people, what, what your response is. And I know we're not seeing a, a lot of crowds these days, but uh, maybe when you're sitting in traffic or maybe when you, you're, you're driving down uh, Lincoln Street in downtown Willow Glen and you see these, these crowds of people, uh, I don't know what comes to your mind, but here's what Here's what Jesus says. He says, says man, look, the, the harvest is plentiful. Like, look at all this opportunity. Look at all these people. The, har the harvest is plentiful. There's exponential opportunity for people to find and follow Jesus. It's not a harvest problem. He identifies the problem. He says, but the workers are few. Man, the opportunity is exponential. But we have a a worker problem, the, the workers are few. So he says, ask the Lord therefore to send out workers into this harvest field. And some of you watching this are saying, God, if you need a worker, I'm your man, I'm your gal. Here I am, Lord, you can send me. And if that's where you are today, I wanna give you four practical handles on how you can be that, that good messenger carrying this, this good message to a world that, that desperately needs it. Here's the first thing we have to do if we're going to be that good messenger. We have to, we have to accept responsibility. Like there's a responsibility here that I just have to embrace if I'm going to be a good, good messenger. It's important for you to know that whenever it comes to helping people find and follow Jesus, you are God's plan A and there is no plan B. Here's what I want you to know if you're in, in the Bay Area and you're in, in this, this part of the country uh, I keep these in my office as a visual reminder, not just that Easter's coming or my deep love for jelly beans, uh, not the old school jelly beans, but like these, these, these starburst jelly beans, you know what I'm talking about, like delicious. Uh, not just trying to remind myself of that, but I want to remind myself of this reality, that, that in Santa Clara County, where we live, where, where I'm speaking from right now, 
There is 1.7 million people headed to a Christless eternity. I gotta remember that. This represents everyone headed to, to eternity without Christ. One jelly bean represents 1,000 people. 1,000 people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you believe the Bible to be true, then that means there's 1.7 million people headed to, to hell for eternity, absent from God. And here's the solution. This is the church here in the Bay. And the, the, the purpose is, is that this, this, the God's plan is that this group, you, me, the church, would accept, embrace this responsibility to help people find and follow Jesus so that, that this jar becomes, becomes one jar, it all becomes the church. But as it stands right now, we, until we accept the responsibility that, man, you are God's plan A and there is no plan B, then things just won't, it's always gonna be this way. Here's what Paul says in Romans 10, 13 through 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, will be saved, like this can happen in a moment. But how can they call on, on him to, to save them unless they believe in him? And how, how can they believe in him and, unless they've, they've heard about him? And how can they call and how can they, they hear about him unless, unless someone from here is sent to help them find and follow Jesus? That's where you come in. That's where I come in. You are the sent ones. And at the end of this, this service, I, I'm gonna share one of my scariest moments I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm gonna, I wanna, wanna commission you, commission us as a central family on this mission to find and follow Jesus, to help people know God, find freedom in him, find hope and healing that only he provides. But how could they call unless, unless we tell them? And how can anyone go and, Tell them unless they're sent, and this is the sending message. And that's why the scriptures say, and he quotes this, 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 this scripture from Isaiah we just read, how beautiful are the feet of the central family who bring good news. You are the messenger. Second thing, first we have to accept responsibility. Second thing we have to do is develop, develop a personal relationship. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 21 through 22. He says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. He's like, I'm just trying to find common ground first. I'm not, I'm not just trying to, to just tell them out of the gate, like, hey, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. No, I'm trying to, find some, I'm trying to find some common ground with them first. And he says, I do everything to spread the good news that I may share in its it's blessing. He's basically saying, I, I develop a personal relationship with them, and then I leverage that relationship. I use that as a, a platform to speak, speak truth into their life. And man, we gotta, we gotta take responsibility for that. We gotta develop relationship with at least one friend so we can use that platform, that, that, that relationship to tell them the good news about Jesus. I love this story in Luke uh, 19, verses one through 10. It's a story about this, this wee little man named Zacchaeus. And, uh, and if you grew up in church or maybe, maybe you're a Baptist, it seems like especially the Baptists love this song, like this, this, this guy about Zacchaeus, this song about Zacchaeus, like Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And he, he climbed up in the sycamore tree because the, the Lord he wanted to see. And what they never told me in, in Sunday school was that Zacchaeus was an outcast in society. 
Like Zacchaeus was, was a tax collector, and so basically for his profession, he robbed from the people next to him. Like, like he would take some, some money from them for Rome, and he would take some money for Zacchaeus. Some from Rome, some for Zacchaeus. And, and you can imagine this did not help Zacchaeus win friends or influence people. He was, he was an outcast in this society. Uh, the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the time, they actually have literature that say, say, say tax collectors, they're, they're lower than swine. Like they're, they're worse than pigs. And for a Jewish culture, like pigs were unclean, but they said, no, 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 like tax collectors are worse than that. There, there's literature from these religious leaders that say tax collectors are irredeemable. Like they cannot be redeemed. There's no way a tax collector could ever have a relationship with God. That, that's Zacchaeus. And so Zacchaeus, he hears about this, 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 this teacher, Jesus. This, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe this is God coming into town. He's like, I know I can't have a relationship with him, but I would just like to see him. He climbs this tree and, and Jesus looks up at him in that tree and says, Zacchaeus, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. No, no he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, enjoy the money because the party ends in hell. No, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, you like sushi? How about some lunch? You, you like P.F. Chang's? Let's go grab some dinner. And we don't know what Jesus talks to Zacchaeus about at that, at that meal. I wish we did. Uh, but what we do know is after they, that Jesus established a personal relationship with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus' life was changed. And I think, I think there's a reason why we don't know the details of that conversation because Jesus modeled for you, modeled for me, that, they, that the worst of, of, of sinners, the lowest people of society, maybe people you've written off, maybe people others have written off, maybe the, the, the outcasts, the scum of, of the Bay Area, you know, those, those people, oh, there's two, there's no, they're pervert, like that'll never happen. No, personal relationship. Have a platform of respect, honor, speak truth in their life. Jesus modeled it, Paul modeled it, we should follow it. Third thing we see, uh, actually first, I love this quote from John Maxwell. Uh, he says this, he says, says, I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. <laughs> you, you don't have to be like them to reach them, but, but this is important, you at least gotta like them. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't receive coaching very well from people who don't like me. You know, like, but, but the people that are, have a platform to speak into my life are, are my buddies, my friends, people I trust. We have a relationship, develop a personal relationship. So we're going to accept res responsibility. Uh, we're going to develop a personal relationship, and then we're going to share our personal story. And I think this is where we, we miss it a lot of times with the evangelism or, or sharing our faith because we feel like, man, I, I got to take a class first. Or, man, like I, if there's a book, like if, are there any silver bullets to, to, evan to, to share in my faith? And I think that's, that's not what the word gospel means. Part of it's eulogy. We just declare the good things God has done in our lives. Like has God done anything good for you? Has he helped you? Has he come through when, when you weren't sure he was able to come through? Like, has he, has he found you in the midst of a, a pinch or a bind and said, hey, no, I, I, here's a way out. You just speak the good things that God's done in, in your life. Be willing to share your, your personal story. 
Uh, this week, our, our small group was meeting uh, here at church out in the parking lot. And, and if you're not yet in a, in a small group, I invite you to, to jump into community because while we aren't able to gather together in large groups in this room, we are able to do life together through our small groups. So it's, I don't know about you, but it's just been good for my soul to gather as a group. And this week on Monday, we were gathered as a group out here in the parking lot. And we were reading John chapter four. And in John chapter four, it's a story of this outcast, another lady that Jesus encountered who, who was written off by society. And she has this encounter with Jesus and it, it changes things for her. And, and here's what the Bible says in John 4, 39. It says, it says many of the Samaritans from that town. So this, this town where she lived, she went back to her neighbor. She went back to her, her, her natural social friends, her, her, her influence, the, the place where she, she lives. And, and she, she goes to that town and many of them believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Like she didn't go to seminary. She wasn't a pastor. She just said, hey, let me tell you what God did for me. He, he, he told me everything I ever did. I'm just saying there, there's power in your testimony. You don't have to know all the answers. Just share your story. You know, I, I've never shared my story and had someone tell me like, Tim, do you have historical evidence for that story? Or I share my story and they're like, yeah, but can you prove that by carbon dating? Like that's just, that's just never happened. That's never happened. Share your story. No one can argue with that. Here's what 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says. Uh, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Like, like that's step number one. We just have to settle this once and for all. Like is, is Jesus the ultimate authority in your life? Like does he call the shots? Have you gone all in and said, God, here's my life. Peter says, step number one, revere in your heart, revere Christ as, as the leader and the forgiver of your life. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But when you do this, you don't beat them over the head with it. You do it with gentleness and respect. And I would just say this, man, I've really blown it in this area of my life. When I first started following Jesus, it was like the light switch came on. It was like I, I found something so precious and I just, had to, I just had to tell everyone about it. But I didn't do it with gentleness and respect. Like I would manipulate. Like I, if I was a salesman, like I was gonna close that deal or else. And as a result, man, some of my closest relationships still aren't the same to this day because I didn't do it this way. I didn't do it with gentleness and respect. I did it with manipulation and aggression and try to get my point across. He says, do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Here's what I do these days. I'll tell someone the truth about what God's done in my life and what I believe he can do in their life. And I'll just tell them, hey, I sense you're not ready for this yet. But whenever you are, I would love to be the person you call. I'm not gonna force you. I'm gonna do this with gentleness and respect. And I can see, you're, you're not ready. That's okay. We still have this personal relationship. And so, so whenever you are ready, you got my number, man. I'd love to be the person you call. I invite you to use that line. You don't have to force anybody. You just tell your story. Give a reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and respect. Then finally, fourth, there does come a point where we don't say no for them. We give the invitation. Like we say, we just say, hey, God can change your life. And I would, I would love to pray with you right now. Give the invitation. Proverbs eleven thirty 30 says this, the fruit 
of righteousness is a tree of life, and the one who saves lives, the one, is, one who is wise who saves lives. Uh, another translation says, he who wins souls is wise. Like, give an invitation. It's the wisest thing you can do this side of eternity. Another step is just to, to ask people to take a step. You know, part of the invitation process is not to say, hey, zero to 100, like, do you want to go all in and surrender your life to Jesus? Just invite people to take a step. Parenting in the pandemic, October 7th. If, the, if you have friends in your circle of influence who are parents, they're struggling. <laughs> and here's a free opportunity to hear from a licensed counselor in a non-threatening situation to get some practical handles to help their kids. Invite them to take a step. Just join us. Invite them to, to, to Too Cool Tuesday. Maybe if they have kids, man, we want to come alongside you family. So you can go online to our events page, register your, your kids, and register their kids. Say, hey, I got a spot. We're going to give you a break from 3.30 to 5 this Tuesday. We, just take a step. Take a step. And maybe invite them to this online church experience. Take a step. Like, hey, you don't even have to get out of your PJs. Just join me online. Sip some coffee and just check it out. Love to hear what you think. Take a step. Give an invitation. So that's, uh, we've discovered that the, this gospel, part of sharing this gospel is a, is a good messenger, and, and you are that good messenger. This is us. We help these people find and follow Jesus too. But here's the message. What, what's the message? So, so back to our, our kind of big, big verse for today, Isaiah 52.7. Uh, Isaiah says, How beautiful are on the mountains are the feet of those who, who bring good news. That's part of the message. Proclaim peace, that's part of the message. Who bring good tidings, you might be like, what does that even mean? Well, that's part of the message. We proclaim salvation, and we remind him that our God's big, he reigns, and he'd love to have a personal relationship with you. Here's the good news, here's number one, four things here. Here's the good news. The good news is that, this sounds cliche, this has become so common speak, it, it almost sounds cliche, but it doesn't get more biblical than this. Here's some good news. God loves you, and he sent his son to pay for your sins. It's good news. John 3.16, probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible. It's popular for a reason. It's one of the most, most prevalent verses in the Bible for a reason, because it's the best news available it's not cliche, it's powerful. Look, look at this through the lens of a first time. Like here, here's, here's what it says. God so loved the world that he gave, he made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his one and only son so he could have a relationship with you. That whoever believes in him wouldn't, wouldn't perish, but you can have eternal life. It's good news. May we never lose the freshness of that reality. May we never lose perspective of, of, of the extreme sacrifice of that reality. May we never lose the awe and wonder that God loves, he loves a jacked up dude like me. He's willing to have a relationship with me. Like he, who am I? It's good news. Second thing, we, we proclaim peace, Isaiah says. And here's, here, here's peace. God can give you peace no matter the circumstances. You just need to know today, God can give you peace no matter what circumstances are surrounding you. That's good news. We need to be reminded of that. I've seen people navigate some of the worst situations, the worst circumstances, most gut-wrenching seasons, and yet they walk with peace. How, how is that even possible? And I would say this, because peace isn't found in the comfort of your circumstances. Peace is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you can have peace regardless of your circumstances. 
Here's what Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 3. It says, says this about God. God, you, you will keep in perfect peace. You want perfect peace? Here's how you get it. You'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you because all whose thoughts, they're fixed on you. They're not fixed on the circumstances. God, my thoughts are fixed on you. And in, in that moment, I, I, get, I get filled up with a little, I get filled up with perfect peace. It's available to you today. Peace is available to you today. Jesus said this, John 16, 33, says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Peace isn't found in circumstances, it's found in Jesus. Jesus said, peace is available to you. It's found in me. He, and he, here's a promise, you can just be sure of this. Take this one to the bank. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows. Aren't you glad you came to church? Uh, here are, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but you can take heart because in Jesus, there's overcoming power. He's overcome the world. Peace is found in Jesus, not in the comfort of our circumstances. Third thing, we bring good tidings. Good tidings. And here's some good tidings. God can give you the strength to make it through. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you just need to hear this in this season. God will give you the strength to make it through. This word good tidings, it carries with it this idea that, 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 that I've experienced something and now I have to, I have to share something. And I've experienced something I want to share it with you. God's going to give you the strength to make it through. It might not seem like it's possible, but, but he's going to give you the strength. He, he's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your circumstances. There's some good tidings. God's got this one, just like the last one. He's going to see you through. 2 Corinthians 3, or 4, rather, uh, says this. If the good news we preach is hindered, as if it's behind a veil... It's hidden only to those who are perishing. And, and here's Paul. He, he's, he, he's not having the easiest time. He says, we are, we are pressed on every side. Like, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not, we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down like people were trying to kill him, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. God will give you the strength to make it through. Fourth and finally, we proclaim salvation. And here's salvation. God's ready to save you now. God's ready to save. He's ready to save you right now. It can all, can all change in a moment. Here's what the Bible says in Romans. Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that word Lord just means like he's, he's the boss. Like he's the CEO. And, and I'm going to resign from my position as CEO of my life. And I'm going to make, make Jesus the CEO. He's going to call the shots in my life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can be saved right now. For it is with the mouth that you believe and are justified. And it is with, with uh, your heart you believe and are justified. And it is with the mouth that we confess and we're saved. And I just believe that right now, maybe you're watching this online. Maybe a friend invited you. And you're like, I didn't anticipate this kind of message. But I hope you do hear this message. God can save you right now. We just read it. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says right now you can be saved. And it would be my joy, 
my honor to help you begin that relationship with him. All your sins, all your mistakes erased, paid in full on the cross. It, there's this word that's uh, used in, in, in accounting, like you reconcile your bank statements. It, it's like all your sins have been paid for and your account balance is brought to zero. Your, your life before God, before the courts of heaven has been, have been reconciled, they've been justified. And you can be, the Bible says saved, and that can begin right now. So if you wanna cross that line of faith, make Jesus the Lord, make him the CEO of your life, apply God's word to your life, I'm telling you, you'll become a whole new person. I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be doing this, but this one decision changed everything. And I'm not trying to scare you to say, God's gonna make you be a preacher, because that would've scared the crap out of me. But, but here's the deal, he will save you, and it could happen right now. And if that's you, you, you want to you cross that line of faith, I, I invite you to say a prayer with me like this. You say, God, I realize I've blown it. I realize I've made some mistakes. But God, I've heard from your Bible, from your word, that God, if I, if I believe in my heart that, that you are who you said you were, Jesus, and that you paid the penalty for me on the, the cross for my sins and didn't just end there, but God, you, you rose again that I can be saved and, and God, I just, I believe that. And because I believe that, I'm confessing that with my mouth right now. And because I believe that, God, I, I'm going all in with you. Now you say this to him, say, God, from this day forward, I surrender my life to you. I'm gonna let you call the shots from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer today, uh, man, we're celebrating with you. The Bible says all of heaven like erupts in celebration. That moment you make that decision and, and, and we would love to come alongside you however we can to partner with you. We're not gonna harass you, we're not gonna bug you, but we do have some resources that we'd love to get in your hands and, and be available to answer any questions that you might have along this journey. And so, so if you'd like, you can text us at 408-944-5402. That's 408-944-5402. Or as always, you can email us at info at centralsj.org. And, uh, and we, we look forward to connecting with you. And we're celebrating you, you big time. For, for all of you who've already made that decision, you, you're in, in this camp. You're, you're a follower of Jesus. Man, I, I want to share just a quick story with you. And honestly, it was probably one of the most scariest moments of my life. Uh, we were in Las Vegas. We were living in Vegas at the time, and we were headed to Southwest Florida for, for Christmas to visit my wife's family. And we're, we're traveling. There's a group of about 11 of us there. And, um, and I thought Tiffany had taken my da our daughter, Elsie, uh, with her to the restroom. And, and Tiffany comes back from the bathroom, and I'm like, hey, babe, like, <laughs> where is Elsie? She's like, well, I thought she was with you. And I'm like, I thought she was with you. And in that moment, I realized Elsie's lost. And I turned to the family, I'm like, we've lost Elsie. And, and we're, we're in Las Vegas, like a city where they have on the back of the stalls in the airports, warnings about human trafficking. Like call this number if you think sex trafficking is happening. So, so I'm, the, I'm like, my mind goes to the worst case scenario. And I'm like, we gotta find Elsie. And we split off 10 different people in 10 different directions. And I'm finding people along the way. I'm like, my, my baby girl, like my daughter's lost. Can you help me find my daughter? And you know what no one said? 
I'm not very good at helping find lost people. No, no one said, what if I find her and she asked me a question I don't know? No, no, one, no one said, like, maybe I could take a class, then I would love to help you find. No one said that. They caught the emotion of the moment. They, they realized the urgency of the hour, that, that every second mattered. And I'm just telling you, Central Christian Church, every second matters because your heavenly father has lost some kids. And, and it matters, and you, you're the helper. You're the rescuer. You've been found. We're the only organization that exists for those not yet here. So catch the motion of the moment. Realize the urgency of the hour that when you log off of this online experience, go live out your faith. Go help people find and follow Jesus because, because the stakes are high. Whenever someone found our daughter, little Elsie, they brought her to us. And, and Tiffany and I, man, we, we threw our arms around her and we gave her the biggest hug. It was like, daddy, you're squeezing my guts. <laughs> And I just, I just held her little head. I said, Elsie, where were you? Daddy was looking for you. And she said, Daddy, I was looking for you all along. I was trying to find you. Now listen to me, church. You have a heavenly father who's desperately lost some kids in a terminal. And he's trying to find them. And you interact with them on a daily basis. You see him every day. And they're, they're looking for God in all the wrong places. And you get the joy. We get the honor to say, I found your heavenly father. And he's been looking for you. And he's not going to condemn you. He's going to throw his arms around you and give you the biggest hug you ever experienced in your life. And he can set you free. Listen, Central. You're God's plan A. There is no plan B. We got work to do. You bring your best. God brings his best. What's possible? If you're in this camp today, will you say, you know what? I, I accept responsibility. I realize the stakes are high. I've caught the emotion of the moment. I, I know there's an urgency in this hour. And God, if you want to Pray for harvesters to go out into your harvest field. Here I am. That's me. I want to invite you right where you are, wherever you are. Simply close your eyes. And I invite you just to open up your hands like this to God. And God, we realize you've lost some kids. And God, we realize that breaks your heart. And God, we get distracted in this terminal called life with a whole lot of other things. But God, I pray you would help me, you would help the central family to stay laser focused to rescue people. And God, we just commit to you right now in this moment, if you wanna send someone to find your kids, you can send me. We realize this good news can't go out unless there's a good messenger. So God, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit. Give us boldness to do what we can never do on our own. Help us to represent you well, wherever we are, for as long as we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, Central Family, you 
carry this priceless message. You are that good messenger. I'm so fired up that we get to lock arms to share that good news, to see this jar become this jar, to help more and more people find and follow Jesus in this limited time that we have. Well, we're going to continue this series next week. And I invite you between now and then to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5 as we continue our conversation on these, these in times. God is so for you. He's given you this greatest honor to share this greatest message. Let's represent him well. May God bless you guys.